Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Proper Class Podcast. I'm Hannah Chiswick. And I'm Laura Checkley. And we are, of course, here to celebrate all things working class, because if we don't, who the bloody hell will? Why don't you say it in a silly voice? That was my silly voice. No, go on, I will give you a tenner if you say that in a silly voice. Who the bloody hell will? I literally can't do that. You're not getting it. That would be like the easiest tenner you could Just ever make. Just <laughs> As always, we sit down with a working class hero to celebrate their life and achievements and discuss just how they got to where they are today. And on that note, who are we celebrating this week, Han? Well, we have a corker of a guest this week. Not only has this multi-talented man been hailed as one of the fastest rising talents in British comedy, but he's also a proper successful actor and writer too. An award-winning comedian, this week's guest has been performing to sell-out crowds all over the UK at prestigious venues such as the Hackney Empire and the O2. And he has most recently been cheering up the nation, supporting Mo Gilligan on his sold-out national tour, The Black British Takeover. A regular face on our telly boxes. You'll have seen him on shows such as the Jonathan Ross Stand-Up Club, Romesh Ranganathan's reboot of The Weakest Link, Guessable, Stand-Up to Cancer and Don't Hate the Players, to name but a few. He has also taken over the acting world too. What a show-off. And actually, (laughs) I spied a bit of his CV last night and let me tell you, my friends, it ain't too shabby neither. Starring in shows such as Waking the Dead, Doctor Who, New Tricks, Law and Order, Pelican Blood and the iconic Are You Even a Proper London Actor, if you haven't been in it, EastEnders. Well, you've never done EastEnders. So does that mean that you're not a proper actor? (laughs) means I'm a failure in my mother's eyes anyway. (laughs) Well, you said it. But surely after all those years slogging away, how could our guest ever have known that all he really needed to do to be a household name was sit on the settee with his best mate watching a load of shit telly whilst being filmed? That's right, folks. Give it up for Gogglebox's fan favourite and the multi-talented Babatunde Aleshe. Yo, that was the best (laughs) intro ever. Was that excruciating? No, I loved it. (laughs) It's like a marathon. Yeah, man. Do you sometimes, did you listen to it and go, oh yeah, I'd forgotten I'd done all that? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I've never had someone read back my uh, CV to me and everything I've done. Honestly, yeah, I'm chuffed. And that can only get better because, I mean, you're really on the rise. Like, I mean, I'm ashamed to say, I've obviously discovered you on Gogglebox and then from that just like went down a rabbit hole going, who is this guy? He's so funny, so, so funny. Um, And you've done loads and you're doing amazingly well. I mean, is there anything you can't do? 
I can't um, do anything that my wife does, which is cook, clean, <laughs> and just be an all-round better person than me. <laughs> well done. Brownie points right there. <laughs> <laughs> So, Babatunde, um, each week we start our show asking our guests if they could take us back to somewhere that connects them to their working class roots. Um, where would you take us today? Where would that be for you? I would take you guys back to um, Tottenham, where I grew up. Uh, I lived <laughs> I lived on Westerfield Road, um, off West Green Road in Tottenham, in South Tottenham. And the house was just... Oh my God, it was disgusting. It was just terrible, man. That house was falling apart every day. And what is it about that house? Why, why there? That house, um, I feel like that house made me who I am today. Like the things I went through living there, um, the people that lived around the area. But it's because we, it was such a terrible house. Like we literally got that house like last minute. We were looking for a house and then uh, my mum knew an estate agent and he was just like, look, I've got this house. It's not great, but it's available. And my mom was just like, I'll take it. We went there and my Lord, was there so much work to do. Mm. Yeah. And did you have siblings? Were you there with your siblings or? Yeah, I have an older sister. And so it was just me, her and my mum. And um, yeah, man, tough times, tough times, definitely. And were you there? Were you there till a teenager? Like what, what, you know, when did you yes, leave? I was. Like. Yeah, I was there from, I'd say, the age of seven up until the age of, like, 16. And um, that house and the area shaped who I was to this very day. If I would not be a comedian if it wasn't living for in that house and living in, you know, in Tottenham, South Tottenham, I would not be who I am today. So presumably you went to school in South Tottenham as well. I went to school in the borough of Haringey, which was, uh, I went to school in Hornsey. Okay. Yeah, so that wasn't too far. Hornsey's just kind of like down the road, uh-huh. uh, down the road from uh, Tottenham. So I went there to a notorious school at the time called St. David and St. Catherine's, uh, or AKA D&K. That's where I went to. <laughs> and that, that school, um, yeah, that school was terrible, man. Like, you heard so much rumours about it. And imagine, I've heard so much bad stuff about this school, but then we still decided to go to that school, which made no sense, yeah. but it, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was exactly the same. I grew up in Hounslow, and my brother's older than me, and he went to this school. I mean, the school's still notoriously bad now, unfortunately. Um, and my mum, knowing how bad that school was, still sent me to the same school. And I think it was just back then you just... Familiarity went, and Yeah, and also knowing, and... knowing that I'd be, probably be safe walking there with my brother. Do you know what I mean? You just went to the nearest school, didn't you, back then? You yeah. didn't... You know, no one was thinking about catchment areas back then, were they? Do you know what I mean? No, no, no. I think, I think because my sister was already there, it was just one of those ones where it was just like, you know what, well, we might as well send him there as well. Yeah. But... Like I said, the rumours about the school was just, it was horrible, man. You'd heard about people getting stabbed and all types of fights happening all the time. And it was just like, yeah, we'll send him there. And it was like, you want me to have a future or not? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I, I have to admit, man, it was, um, I would, yeah, I wouldn't be who I was today without all those experiences. So I do cherish them. Do you feel like, um, you keep saying, obviously, it shaped you. Do you feel like going to a school like that is like, 
I don't know, you had to keep your wits about you. So did you find humour fairly early on because that's how you got everyone on side? Yeah, I found I found the funny in the fact that everybody living like within like Tottenham tried to not be who they really were. So everybody was just like, yeah, man, I come from the ghetto. It's really rough around here. But yet your whole chest is like lit up because you've got so much jewelry on. And it just, just made no sense. You know, everyone was talking about how much poverty and struggle they were going through, but your, your trainers were just like untouched. Like if you would stab someone for like standing on your trainers, you know what I'm saying? So it just sure. didn't make sense to me. I used to make fun out of people that would, uh, view the world that way. I was just like, if you're poor, I'm not saying embrace it, but if you're poor and you're saying you go through so much struggle, uh, you kind of have to look that way. It's just like, you don't look poor at all. You know what I'm saying? It's a pride thing, isn't it? Because we were talking about this the other day on another podcast, just trying to sort of turn yourself out well, no matter what was going on. Like, because I was the same. I, my trainers were always pristine. They still are, actually. I still get my finger out and lick yep. any mark that comes up on my on my trainers. But I, I understand what you're saying. It's like... Sort of, why do we spend all that money? That, or, or certainly back then, why did we, our, our mums, spend those money buying us all these lovely new trainers when actually they couldn't afford it and they're getting themselves in debt on like probably like a catalogue or something for us? Exactly. I just, I didn't understand it, and I never used to bug my mum for um, that kind of stuff. I never used to say to my mum, "Hey, you know, you got to get me this and you got to get me that." Peer pressure definitely uh, took me down that road when people used yeah. to make fun out of me. Like, oh, you've got on these, um, I don't even know what trainers they were, but I had these, you know, they didn't have a name, like no name brand kind of trainers. People used to just make fun out of me, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's like the worst, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I had those trainers. Did I still you? Do, actually, <laughs> you do, yeah. Honest, You're not yeah. a brand girl, No, I don't mind. I just felt like the look of a You market. do not succumb to peer pressure, no, I know that. Well, not now, that. I'm in my 40s. That'd be a shame, wouldn't it? <laughs> So, yeah. so go on yeah go on you go I was just going to say so obviously like you've already you told us about your school there you, you weren't exactly uh going to Eton but the um <laughs> what what was actually getting through school like did you in, did you enjoy it at all academically or were you just sort of passing the time and looking to get out the other side yeah I was just passing the time like academically I was terrible um but I knew I had this talent early on and so that was the thing that I was just like, well, let me just, you know, go hard at this. So, you know, drama lessons, I really enjoyed anything to do with performing arts. I really enjoyed, but like math, science, English, all of that kind of stuff. English I enjoyed because obviously, you know, it kind of coincided with, um, yeah. Drama, like, you know, Shakespeare you get to read and stuff a few like plays, that. Didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. But Everything else was a myth. I was terrible and still am terrible at sports. So I, I, I didn't really have anything going Do you know what? I still can't do my times tables. <laughs> <laughs> Were you lucky enough to have a really good drama teacher or, or anything like that? Anyone who encouraged you? My good drama teachers came after secondary school. Right. So college and then um, I used to go to a drama club. Th th that's when I really started to learn acting. In secondary school... Ah, oh, man, like, the teachers were just, they were rubbish, man. I don't want to be disrespectful, but they weren't, they weren't, they weren't good. They weren't good. <laughs> yeah, I think the problem with schools that are struggling is that, you know, if you're not, if you're not natural or naturally good at a subject and you're struggling, you do really just get left behind at the back of the class. And what you end up doing is either fucking about or, you know, bunking off. 
Yeah. Um, can you talk, do, we, do the youngsters still say bunking off, or am I just an old nana? I don't think anyone says bunking <laughs> off now. I don't know. Maybe did you don't. say bunking off though? Did you? Did you, Babbington? Did yeah, you say bunking bunk. off? Yeah, yeah. We or used not, to bunk. Yeah. We used to. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those words that's all different, like all around the country. Like, yeah. as I say bunking off, it's a London thing, bunking off. But then there's other there's one skiving, isn't there? Skiving, yeah, that's a, that's wagging. a northern thing. Wagging. wagging. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wagging. Yeah, I've done a play. Do you remember we did that play set in the north and it was wagging? Yeah, wagging off, yeah. Wagging off, yeah. I mean, it sounds wagging like something else, doesn't it? Yeah, so. that's what I'm going to say. That don't sound like bunking. <laughs> <laughs> so just, um, you, you said, obviously, you, you really started learning the proper stuff from drama when you uh, continued on to college. Was college just like a stopgap, or did you actually go to like a performing arts college, or what was what 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 was the next step? So yeah, I went to Westminster Kingsway, which was a proper college. You know, uh, you know they studied everything, but I said I'm just just gonna do performing arts. I then after college went to a proper drama school. I got into like a top drama school, which that was that was amazing still amazing to this day but in college that's where I started to really hone in my talent for acting and stand-up because it's college where I said to myself well if I'm gonna do the whole acting thing and I've got this passion for making people laugh let me do stand-up on the side so at the age of 17 is when I said okay cool I'm gonna pursue stand-up outside of education and that's when I started so yeah it's very driven as a as a teenager <laughs> that's amazing I mean obviously you must have known you were funny making your mates laugh in class and whatever and did someone say to you, you should be a stand-up or did you were you just always obsessive because I know when I was little yeah. I was just obsessed with French Saunders no one had it on the telly I just seeked it out as a kid and I was so drawn to them it was just something that I knew I always wanted to do it was a bit of both I used to be obsessed with British comedy as you know, especially back in the day when it was all over TV. My friends used to say it to me that, hey, yeah, you should do stand-up. But for me, it was one of those things. I woke up one day and I was just like, I'm just gonna start writing jokes. Like every day I'm just gonna start writing jokes. <laughs> and I I did that for like literally a year. And then at the age of 17, I got the courage to really put five minutes together and go up on stage Amazing. and no one taught me about the whole five minutes thing I just did it by myself I just thought okay let me just do five yeah, minutes I was gonna say how did you know that yeah yeah no one taught me yeah. no one taught me I just I, I don't know what did your mum think of all this like so is your mum when you said to your mum right what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna be an actor and a comedian was she supportive or did you think get a proper job no she was supportive she was definitely supportive but I think because for my mum it it's just her. It was just her. It's always just been her. Yes, she wanted me to like have like a <laughs> a real job, like you know, <laughs> like be a doctor or something. But I could. I All think our she, mums wanted that. Yeah, yeah you know <laughs> what I mean. I think she could tell early on I wasn't interested in that, and I was always trying to make people laugh, and so she allowed me to kind of express myself. And um, nice. yeah, she was supportive. She still is my biggest support to this day. Yeah, because we, we talk about that all the time, like without the support of your parents, it just makes it really hard. You know, I said it the other day on one of the other podcasts, how I take my hat off to people who pursued it with without their parents' help because all support is just it's necessary, isn't it, in the journey because the journey is so long and it's so tough. It is, yeah. How did you find sustaining all of your, your comedy and your acting career as a working class person, how's that been? Uh, very hard in the beginning. 
Mm. In the beginning, I used to, I I struggled a lot, especially because I didn't have any money management skills. I would spend my money recklessly. (laughs) Like I'd literally get paid like 50 pounds and by the end of the night that was gone because you know what I'm saying I'm a young man I didn't know what to do with money yeah because they weren't like instead of teaching you uh Pythagoras theorem at, in maths they could have been teaching you useful things in life like how to budget and yeah that's what schools should teach as well really? isn't it like some yeah, life, life skills like, yeah. yeah 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 we always never mind this, equations you never yeah. come back to them again yeah 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 <laughs> absolutely absolutely I totally agree yeah it was hard man it was hard and even when I got older it was tough it, you know they they there was a spell that I literally was living in my overdraft, going to shows, getting paid, and, you know, having to pay my bills and then going, you know, paying off my overdraft, going back into it. Oh man, it was, it was tough. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I got married that, you know, all of that kind of started to iron out and you start to learn how to budget. And yeah. Yeah. Long, long, painful process. <laughs> So when you um you said you went to drama school next, uh, presumably I suppose a teacher at your college helped you find a drama school yes. because I mean no, who knows what a drama school is until someone tells you what one yeah. is because I, I certainly didn't until someone said you should go to drama school and I was like what the fuck's that yeah 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 <laughs> um so I presume you had someone that steered you and and I, so I suppose I what I love asking most working class actors comedians etc like when you get to a big old drama school a big old because you went where did you go is it Lambda Central, where was it? Sorry, can't remember. No, I went Central. I went Central. Central, yeah, which is like a big old posh drama school, isn't it? And um, how did you find that arriving there? Like, did you have imposter syndrome? Did you feel comfortable? Was it, was, yeah, how did you find it? No, I, I definitely had imposter syndrome. Um, yeah, I found it hard in the beginning, the first year, how, like, you know, to fit in and stuff like that. That was very, very, very difficult. Um, I was the only black person in my class, not just the black, you know, black boy. I was the only black person yeah. in a class of 30 students. Wow. And so, Jeez. yeah, that was hard, man. That was, I won't lie to you. That was hard because you do need, um, I don't know. You just always need the presence of like someone else that can identify the kind of struggles that you go through Of course, to be of able course. to kind of like, yeah, to be a support Drama school was crazy, man. I won't lie to you. If I if I could turn back time, I probably wouldn't have gone to Central. I probably would have tried to go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, and um, how did you get into drama school? Did you get a scholarship? Because presumably, I mean, or or did you pay for it? Like, what was the? Because we talk about accessibility into drama school all the time, don't we? And it's yeah. um, it's a big conversation. Yeah, yeah. No, I got a grant from um, from the government. I got a grant, and. Um, yeah, I was lucky to get that. That that helped tremendously. Very very thankful for that. Yeah, they, cool. yeah. They 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 made sure they they collected that money. Once I started making money, they were just like, "Yep, we're coming back for that student loan." You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, yeah. no, I got a grant. That was wicked. I bro. do. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but I'm 42 and I'm still paying off my student You're loan. Not. Yeah, yeah, still paying yeah, the still bits loan. going out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I paid mine off for years. I felt like I wanted to do like a street parade when they finally said it's paid off. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> do you know what? Someone told me at drama school. They were like, don't worry about your student loan because you'll never really earn enough to start paying it back and I must have like I don't know had a cup well it's because of doing telly started having a good couple of years and then suddenly like that yes I'll start taking it so for ages I didn't pay it back for years oh, and years I didn't. And oh years it and took years. me forever to pay it back honestly did you have to work alongside drama school as well or were you able to just sort of spend those three years studying or did you yeah my to- line of work was stand-up 
So outside of um, oh, amazing! Wow. Yeah, yeah. Outside of drama school, I was always doing stand up, which was hilarious because it like everyone else was kind of like you know struggling to get like a name out for themselves, establish themselves as an actor, and sometimes we'd be outside of our drama school and people would walk past and be like, hey, you're Baba Tunde, ain't it? And I'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so all the students would be looking at me like, huh? So why, why do all these black people know you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was pretty cool, man. That was pretty cool. I know, obviously, you had your stand-up career going well and stuff, but have you, did you have to, at some point, have other jobs alongside the stand-up stuff to kind of support the acting career, the, the comedy career? That came a little bit later. That came once I got married. Um, once I had a family, that's when things got really difficult for me to kind of balance uh, all mm. three, a job, my acting career and stand-up. Yeah, because it's not about you anymore, is it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not about me no more. And I, and I remember talking to my acting agent at the time. I kept telling her that, look, I can't keep going to all these auditions that you want me to go to. Like, I'm a temp at work. I can't get yeah. the time off to just go here and go there because they'll just fire me, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm not permanent anyway. And, um, yeah, we fell out. And then, obviously, I, I left the agency. So it was literally just work and stand-up. And then stand-up just, I don't know, it just took a nosedive at that time. And I just it just wasn't clicking, you know, because I had... You know, I had a family to feed and it was just like, I'm going up and down the country. Yeah, and you didn't have space to kind of yeah. hone your craft, presumably. Absolutely. We talk about this all the time about when you are when you have that privilege and you have the money, it always comes down to money. It always comes down to money. And do, do you feel like maybe it's hindered the pace of your journey? I mean, your, your, your trajectory now is incredible. But do you feel like, oh, I might have got there a bit quicker had I just had the space to be a comedian and not have to like, Chase Mattel with all these jobs and temp jobs. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I will say this, though. If I had the management that I have now back then, I would have been mm. better back then. I would have been a better comedian back then because what my management now have um, has brought to me is a sense of direction and a sense of... Um, yeah, just a sense of direction and purpose, you know. Back then, I did. I, I really was literally just just going with the flow, you know, doing show to show, living paycheck to paycheck. And there was no clear understanding of who I was and what kind of comedian I am and how they can brand me mm. or how I can brand myself. So, yeah, this, this, I didn't have the space back then. I didn't understand me back then. But now I'm at a point where I'm just like, well, I know what my brand is and I can concentrate on that. And my family are at a stage where my wife is just like, look, man, go, just go and do, pursue your dreams because the amount of money you bring back from one show is good enough. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, I don't need to, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't need, there's no stress no more. There's no stress no more. She's like kicking you out of the house. Go on, get there, get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, <laughs> there, go get that money. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You're bringing up, obviously, that uh, you've got a family now, and that uh, I, I agree. Like, I had a child, and that changes everything because you have to stop going, you know, when it's just you on your own, you can go, oh, it doesn't matter if I've only got £10 to last me three weeks. That's just on me. Exactly. Like, that's yeah. just me. But you can't obviously do that with children because, well, that would just be irresponsible. Exactly. With your children, we ask all our guests who have kids this, are they having a different upbringing to yours how very different much. is your kids' yeah. upbringing to the way you did? Yeah, yeah, very much so. So I've only got one son. I've only got just one child. Um, but, yeah, I, I look at my son's life and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, you don't know how good you've got it. Like, you really don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I used to, like, when I, even when I bath him, like, when I, when I put him in the shower and stuff like that, I'm just like, dude, you don't even understand. I used to bath out of a bucket. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, we used to do bucket bathing and stuff like that. And we lived in London. It's not like I lived back home in Nigeria or something. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And just from, like, my, like, if I ask my son, if I ask my son, oh, what do you want to eat tonight? Like, he has the choice of picking his dinner. I never had the choice of picking my dinner. It was just like, there's rice at home. That's what we're having. It's just like, mom, what are we eating? Rice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so he's got a great life. He's got an absolutely great life. Man. Yeah. And I feel like that gives him the chance to pick who he wants to be when he gets older. And that's the joy of it, really. That's, and yeah, that's why it's so wonderful like, to celebrate you know, stories like yours, because it's like, why shouldn't you give your children a better a better life and, and opportunities yeah. and open them up to that? Do you still try and um, instill, I mean, I don't know how old your uh, boy is, but He's do you five. try and instill or will you at some point, all right, yeah, maybe not yet, but sort of make them aware of like, like, will you try and instill some working class values, do you think? Or? I do, I try to, but my son is just so privileged. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and it annoys the hell out of me, man. Like, yeah, I do. I do try and um, instill, instill some type of... Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd say, I guess I'd say, like, street knowledge or something. Maybe something to that degree. Like, my son, he, I mean, he's having the time of his life, man. He's lucky. Because <laughs> we live in the countryside now. Oh, do you? Nice, nice. Yeah, we, we go out to the fields, he sees horses and all types of 
middle class animals <laughs> not like how I used to grow up we saw rats <laughs> <laughs> some feral foxes hold on, well, hold yeah. on. that's a really good point while we're on middle class animals what is the what do we think is the most middle class animal I think a horse yeah a horse do you know what I think it is people who have indoor cats Indoor cats. <laughs> you know, people have indoor cats. They're like, I've got a cat, but it has to stay indoors. Yeah, like yeah. they're too precious to go out. That's oh, a middle class. You think that's quite middle class, pet, do you? To have yeah. an indoor cat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> horse is up there, though, isn't it? Like, oh, horse is a very middle class animal, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. very middle class. Like we went to go and visit um, a friend of ours, and they live in Nebworth. So we've gone there, and literally, as we've pulled up, a lady is riding beside our car on a horse. And I'm just like, look at this. Like, what kind of nonsense is this? Like, you would never see that in Tottenham. You would never see that. No, <laughs> only the police on the it. Football yeah. days. Yeah, That's exactly. Only, only the police. It's like football day police. Yeah. I remember as a kid going to like some of my mates from school, and one of my mates, Rita, she had seven brothers and sisters, and we went once out to the seaside, and her siblings had never been on the train, and I remember her little brother seeing cows for the first time, oh, and just being absolutely beside themselves, like they like they were in the most amazing zoo ever, like they just didn't know that cows were yeah. Yeah. a thin, like yeah. they'd only seen them in a book, that was it, you not yeah. seen a cow in like, you know, South London. Yeah, and we see that, about. we see that every day to the exactly. point where where my son, like, sometimes will be driving and I'll be like, oh, look, Judah, look, um, sheep, there's sheep over there. And my son will be like, yeah, yeah, dad, that's nice. And he's, he does, he's not phased by it no more. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, he loves it. Yeah, careful, he's going to want a pet horse soon. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God, yeah. So um, drama school happens and then alongside that, obviously, you're doing your stand-up and that's presumably yep. going well. Then obviously, like you said, you met your wife and had a family and that then made things difficult. What happened? What was the, what's the big turning point? Yeah, before that, I stopped. I stopped doing uh, stand-up. I stopped altogether. I, I gave up the dream because I was just did like... Did you? How did that feel? That must have been so yeah. difficult. It was. It was definitely difficult. I remember I had a I, <laughs> I had a talk with myself whilst working at TFL. I remember I was sitting down at the computer, and I literally in my head as I was doing um uh, some cases, answering emails. I remember saying to myself like, "Wow, like I might not ever be the person that I've always dreamt of being. I might not ever reach that goal." And I I, I had to come to a place was where I was okay with that. I had to, you know, really be like, okay, well, that's that, you know, and maybe I, this is the path that God wants me to go down, like, you know, just doing, you know, working at TFL. And once I had that conversation with myself, yeah. it felt like everything after that changed because I'd accepted that I may not yeah. make it. So it was left out of my hand. It was almost like ego went out the window and it was just like, well, if this what you know, if this what you want my life to be like, then cool. And and what, what made you come back then? Like, obviously you said you had that conversation with yourself. Was it like, what am I doing? Or was it something came up and you're like, I've got to go back to it. I can't not take this gig or I can't not take that job. Well, my wife had a conversation with me. She was just like, you know, <laughs> we need extra money, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, from then on, it was... Um, once we had that conversation that, you know, hey, money's kind of short, we're struggling to make ends meet, 
yeah, I was just like, well, I know how to do stand-up, so that can bring in, you know, extra money here and there. It won't be that much, but it'll be something. Mm -hmm. And once I did that, doors just started opening like crazy. Like, literally, everyone's just like, oh, you're back doing stand-up. Hey, we can give you this, that, that, that. And then, yeah. And what do you think that was? Do you think it was like, it might have been a combination of things of you going, letting go a bit and going... It's, you know, like, fuck it, I'll give it another go. Yeah. But without all that pressure that you put on yourself before that, or was it just, do you think, timing, it was your time? Like, I think what... that's what it was. I think that's what it was, letting go. Yeah, not being too precious with it, not trying to, not trying to control what happens. Because I had let go already. It was just like, well, once I come back into this, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, got nothing to lose. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because you hear that a lot. Like, I know so many actors, you probably do as well, that go, do you know what? I'd said to my partner, that's it, fuck it, I'm done. And then the next day I got a call and I got this massive ass job. You hear it all the time. It's yeah. a bit like what happened with um, Hannah, Hannah Gadsby with um, Nanette. And she was oh. ready. She was thrown in the towel. And she's like, I'm done. This is it. So she sort of threw caution in and went, fuck it. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. This is my last throw at stand-up. Don't give a shit. And it was like incredible and now look at like the huge success it's like something happens when we just let go doesn't it yes it's like, absolutely that's exactly what some happens. sort of perspective as well isn't it yeah yeah it's perspective as well you're absolutely right yeah yeah i feel like the most powerful thing that is like learning that thing of going do you know what i won't die if this mm -hmm. doesn't happen mm -hmm. like i would like it to happen and I, but it's not going to be life or death there are other things in my life yes that are more important yeah. there are other people in my life that are more important absolutely and this is a wonderful thing but it's not everything that yeah. i am yeah. or yeah 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 that's exactly what happened honest to god yeah it was such a relief for me because then i started to be more daring i remember i approached my now managers i approached them and i was just like hey do you want to manage me and at first, I think they were startled by that that question, and so they said no. <laughs> they were, they yeah, they were like no, like you know, we've got Mo, we've got Dave Baptiste, we're, we're all right, man. We're, you know, our hands are pretty full, and I was just like, oh, that makes sense. Like you know, not, not no offense taken, like cool. And then they saw me perform, and I don't, I just remember like <laughs> my because <laughs> I got two managers. Like uh, I saw David's eyes; he, his eyes just like widened while he saw me perform and he was just like yeah man let's talk you know but if it wasn't for me hmm. having that kind of like just don't care attitude like it is what it is mm. I would never have approached him never have approached him so yeah I think that sit down talk done a lot for me and obviously things go from strength to strength and you become like, I mean, we're going to have to talk about Gogglebox at some point, of course. Yeah. Sorry, we are huge fans as well. So. Oh, exactly. bless, uh, but the, um, <laughs> you've become like a household name, obviously, and people know who you are. How did that affect your life? How was that transition to suddenly being like, I know that you're saying on the steps of Central, there were people who would know who you were, but now this is like everyone. Every time you go anywhere, yeah, household people name. know who yeah. you are. So how did that affect your life? Was that a good thing? Was it hard to get used to? It, yeah, it's still a bit hard to get used to I'm not gonna lie uh, <laughs> sometimes I don't know whether someone's looking at me because they want to try and rob me or they're looking at me because they recognize who I am so yeah like sometimes we'll be out and someone will be looking at me and I'll be like yo who's this guy looking at and then they'll come up to me and be like hey Bubba Tinder from Gogglebox and I'm like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm still getting yeah, used yeah, to the whole forget. thing <laughs> yeah it doesn't happen a lot it doesn't happen a lot don't get it twisted like I've been out with Mo and sometimes he's got his um, mask on 
so no one can recognize him. Yeah. The second he removes his mask, it's pandemonium. Yeah. So yeah. I'm nowhere near that level yet. <laughs> I can still go out and go on the train. Mo can't go nowhere. You know. When you go back to Tottenham now, is your mum still there? Is she still in South Tottenham? No, 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 no. My mum. She lives no, she she don't live there. She lives somewhere else now. <laughs> she lives in a way better area now. Well oh, done. Good for her, yeah. <laughs> do you still feel a connection to that area or is that just something that like in the, in your past? Oh, yeah. What do you feel about the area now? No, I, I still feel Tottenham in me, like at like every day. Yeah. I love the area. Uh yeah. Every time I go there, I don't know, it's just I don't know how it is for you guys, but every time I go back to the area I grew up in, I feel at home. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I miss it a lot, but at the same time, I don't miss it because of like you know the crime and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Did I read somewhere that you're an Arsenal fan? Is that true? How do the Tottenham people feel about that? Yeah, I am an Arsenal fan. To be honest, <laughs> I was born and lived in Islington for like four years before I actually moved to Tottenham. Even though I was four when okay. I when I left. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But when I was young, Ian Wright was the guy. Oh. <laughs> So legend. I'm not legend. gonna look at Tottenham. Yeah, I'm not gonna look at Tottenham and be like, oh my gosh, yeah, let me support Tottenham because I lived there. I was just like, Ian Wright, it's a no-brainer. I'm an Arsenal fan. hundred percent. When when my dad's a scouser and my biological dad was a QPR fan, but I was like, in the eighties, I'm gonna support Liverpool. Sorry. <laughs> so there you go. I totally there you get go. you. I totally get you. We finish the show each week asking um, our working class hero, which is you, uh, if they'd like to celebrate anyone today. Is there anyone that you'd like to celebrate, a working class hero, unsung hero that you'd like to celebrate today? Yes. um, My college teacher, Rob Alexander, that that guy, I can't say enough about him. He inspired me in so many ways. Um, But I think the most thing is that he... He made me believe in my talent. He encouraged me to go to drama school. He was an actor himself who put his own pursuit of a career aside to teach um, teach me, teach so many uh, people who are now very, very famous. And yeah, man, he just made me feel, he made me feel good about my talent and I've never had a teacher like him. If I had him in drama school, mm. I think I would have had a better time. And um, yeah, I, I, I have so much respect for that man. So much. So Rob Alexander is the hero. And have you seen him since all your success? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I have. I've seen him. <laughs> and um, Has he come to see your shows? I don't know if he's come to see one of my shows. I can't remember, but... We message each other from time to time. Oh, that's so nice. Um, he's also a fellow Arsenal fan. Yeah, we message each other oh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you, is it important for you, Beverton Day, to remember like how it started? Like, I, I know for me, I always go back to those people that made a difference. Yeah. So is it important for you to remember where you came from and how it all started? Do you think that's the trick to sort of staying rooted? Yes, yes it is, definitely. So how I kind of go about um, preparing like my stand-up, I always kind of have to put myself in that mindset of what I used to do back in the day and mm-hmm. you know how who I was back in the day. That keeps me going. That keeps me hungry. That keeps me uncomfortable. So there, there's like a goal to reach. Um, I don't like getting comfortable and you know <laughs> and thinking about oh you know hey you know I'm on TV and stuff. It's just like no 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 no. There's still a long way to go. There's still an actual goal to reach. I've not actually reached my goal yet. So, yeah, I think it's important to 
remember those times. Yeah, and I suppose the goalposts always shift, don't they? Like it's it's always yeah. good to go right. That's oh God, I've got there. What next? And it's that's yeah. just like a really healthy thing, isn't it? Just a little like tag on question. Uh, Mm-hmm. Do you still think of yourself as working class? I mean, obviously now you live quite a different life in, in many ways. You, you've got people drawing up alongside you on horses. I know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> do you, uh, do you, would you still say, would you still describe yourself as working class? I am working class. I mean, as much as, um, hey, I live in a middle class uh, area or middle class life now, I still have a lot of ways about me that I'm not used to this whole middle class thing. I'm not used to it. I think that's what it is. My son is middle class. <laughs> yeah. Me, I'm working class with a little bit more money. That's what I yeah. say. Yeah, I feel exactly the same. And we talk about this all the time. Like, you know, even though like living a, for me, like more privileged life than how I grew up, um, I still, I feel so drawn to working class people. That's why we started this podcast, isn't it? Whenever yeah. I, whenever yeah. I work, I'm just so drawn to people that's like me I'm I'm still rubbish at people holding doors for me when I'm on a film set when they're holding an umbrella <laughs> over me I don't like it I don't like that shit I can go and get my own dinner um yeah, so it's, it's nice to hear, hear you say that yeah and I, I don't think that ever leaves you does it and I don't want it to leave me either I'm so proud of my roots and nah. and where I'm, I'm from you know yeah my, my wife still stops me to this day going out and buying like chicken and chips she's just like i can cook for you now like you, you, there's food at home now you don't have to go out and get two pieces of chicken and chips it's just like, <laughs> you have money but now to, go marks and spencer it's nice to go out and it, occasionally you just want yeah. two pieces of chicken and chips <laughs> come on yes exactly yeah man doesn't go wrong <laughs> There's Marks and Spencers for some days and there's two bits of chicken and chips for other days. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, Baba Tende, who was the teacher you wanted to celebrate today? Was it Rob Alexander, did you say? Yes, Rob Alexander. That's that's the guy I want to celebrate today. Brilliant. Well, we're celebrating him and you today. Baba Tunde, thank you so much for coming on as a guest. It's been so brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely brilliant to and, speak to thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Everything. What's, what's next for you? Can you say? I can't say. Ah, I tease. wish I could tell you. You oh my DM God. me, DM me, please. <laughs> I can't even DM you because of oh. the whole NDL thing. But I, no, sorry, NDA, not NDL. I know what you mean. I will say this. When you guys see what I've got coming next, you're going to be like, oh my God. <gasps> Stop it. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, that's Oh, not fair. no. <laughs> right. I'm going to stalk you on social media <laughs> now until it's announced. Are you doing another goggle box? Are you allowed to tell us that? No, I can't tell you that. I can't tell you that. Oh. Um, oh. It's not that, though. It's not that, though. No, no, oh, no. How exciting. Not. I oh, really look forward to seeing what that is. Whatever it is, you deserve it. You thank, totally you do. So, oh, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Thank it's you. been it's amazing so lovely to chat. You. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Same here. Same. Thank you. Well, that was interesting, wasn't it? And I've been talking about this actually a lot this week about our industry and how it can sort of turn on a dime. And I think what's really interesting, obviously we spoke about it in the chat, was that just when Babatunde was sort of ready to throw in the towel and, and not do it anymore, it changed overnight for him. And there's something to be said about speaking your truth and sort of throwing caution to the wind, isn't there? That's also an interesting um, thing, isn't it? That like uh, it changed overnight. Because I think from the outside... It always looks like that, doesn't it? Like people have said that to you, like, but actually before that was like 20 years yeah, of that's like true, hard yeah. slog <laughs> yeah, no, going absolutely. on in there. But I know what you mean about like when you finally decide to just sort of 
speak on what you know and not worry what other people think. I've just heard that a lot with performers and, and actors, but just when they were ready to sort of throw in the towel and it's that kind of fuck it attitude, isn't it? Oh, well, fuck it, what have I got to lose? And there's something yeah, totally. maybe, I don't know, does it make one's work a bit more dangerous or does it just... I don't know. Well, you said it, didn't you, about not giving a shit. Takes a long time to get there, though, doesn't it? Because there's so much judgment from the outside. Yeah, I, I think it's um, we're just seeing the beginning of what Babatunde is going to do in this world because uh, it's really exciting his work, and I can't wait to see what he goes on and does. I have to say, like as you know, Law, I'm a like massive, massive uh, Gogglebox fan, and I've loved watching him so much. Like I really enjoy watching him and Mo together. But I just want to take this opportunity to say that if you get asked ever to do Gogglebox and you don't ask me to do it with you. That is our friendship dead. We've weathered many things, but... Is that a shout out to any producers? It's not a shout out. It's legally binding. <laughs> <laughs> and the listeners are our witness. Um, but you can catch um, Babaton Day because the, the new series of Gogglebox is out now. So he's back yeah, on apparently with Mo it's right started. Now. Yeah, yeah, I'm well excited. I love it, as you know. I know. Well, we'll, uh, we'll probably no doubt call each other once we've watched the first episode. I mean, we actually watch it together, watching people watch TV. So make that what you will. <laughs> but maybe we should make a programme of us watching... Gogglebox. <laughs> Celebrity Gogglebox. Well, that's it for this week guys you can join us next week for a brand new guest um, and just remember always always keep it classy the proper class podcast is produced by michelle far scott for rangaby productions edited by james torrance with music by tommy music Just to let you know, folks, the Proper Class podcast is now going weekly. And whilst I've got you here, please don't forget to like and subscribe. Spread the word. Tell your friends, neighbours, whoever will listen. We've also got an Instagram page. Ooh, get us. And you can follow all the news and goss at the Proper Class podcast. And if you haven't nodded off yet, we've also gone and got ourselves an official email. So do get in touch. The email is properclasspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, folks. And remember, keep it classy. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.